look in the situation report from Monday, March 6th. This is Lieutenant Colonel Murray. A couple of shout outs today. Shout out to Ronnie. Thanks for the uh, kind words in the video. <laughs> those, those drunk videos always crack me up, but thanks for the shout out. Uh, shout out to Outlaw Josie Wales. So, sorry I couldn't uh, connect with you last week. Just got overcome by events. And uh, a shout out to uh, to my admins for keeping the channel clean. Te Telegram is a toxic pool of bots, and it's a full-time job. And literally, there's been like weeks of bot storms, literally overwhelming the channel. My admins have stayed all over it, so I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And look, there's not one influencer that's in uh, the public eye that literally doesn't have a group of admins behind them to make them successful. It's it's something that you literally, you, you can't take for granted ever because most of the, everybody that is doing it for me is doing it as a volunteer. And you can't say thanks enough, especially for the amount of stuff that comes. We get all kinds of stupid things come through, all kinds of ads, everything else. So I appreciate my admins more than, more than I could ever say in words. And that said, there's a lot of people that are weary and tired right now. And it's by design, right? That's why I keep saying war is a marathon. You got to take time to recharge and get back in the fight. But look, everybody's running on reserves. And it doesn't matter how bleak things look. We're, we're still way ahead of the enemy for a variety of reasons. The, you know, I love my country. I do this because I I don't want my kids to have to deal with this. I want my kids to have the same opportunities, if not more than I had to do whatever they want to do. That makes them happy. You know, in a, in a place where they can say what they want, they can believe what they want. They can create what they want. As long as it doesn't hurt other people. And that's why, that's why I'm doing this. I'm, I'm not doing this because you know, I, I I hate the public. I hate the public space. I hate it. I hate being in the public eye. I, I'm not a public person. I'm not. I don't consider myself good at this, especially considering the fact that for every one person that you reach, there's ten people that want to rip you apart for a variety of reasons, and usually, is jealousy is the biggest is the biggest motivator for a lot of these people. And, you know, I don't know what you're jealous of. Because it's a full-time gig to do this. You have to continually be pushing content to get people to pay attention. And then even then, you have to continually change it up. And with things moving so fast, it's even harder to keep up with the public square of what's really going on and what things to pay attention to and what things to ignore. And there's a variety of things that are in the public space right now that people should be paying attention to. The first of which is that our entire system of, of not just finance, but government is bankrupt, morally, economically, socially, culturally bankrupt, and has been for a very long time. It's just now that they're trying to obfuscate the fact that the federal government's bankrupt and continue and perpetuate this war in, in Ukraine. And they need this war in Ukraine because then they can blame everything on Russia when in actuality, this has been perpetuated for a very long time. At the same time, the bankruptcy 
is proceeding. You have Bill Gates in the background that's and Pfizer that are trying to do away with pharmaceuticals and make everybody dependent on gene therapy, which ultimately is not going to work. For It's like every 100 years we go through this where some asshole wants to control the world, some, some power-hungry sociopath or psychopath wants to control the world, and we go through some kind of a world conflict to rid ourselves of that said asshole, and then we start over again. In this case, this reset's going to be different because this reset is a reset of our entire system of governance, not just getting rid of the bad guys. It's it's resetting our system of governments, re reimagining how we as a planet, not just as one culture, can make the levy the, the playing field level for everybody on the planet. And at the same time, share the resources so we don't go through this again. Because here's the reality. You talk about a one world government, you talk about world governance. China wants to be the one world government. They've, they've, they've got millions of people throughout the world working aggressively to destabilize the West, destabilize the, not just republics, but the socialist governments across the planet in order to instill a one world communist government. And, and you can say whatever you want to say about World Economic Forum, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, look at how many how many different world leaders right now are beholden to China. You've got Australia, Canada, New Zealand. You've got parts of Europe, Italy especially, completely owned by China. And if that doesn't scream one world government under Chinese rule, under communist rule, I don't know what does. All these different actors are just proxies for China. And why all this is important is that you got to, we need to keep sight and keep our eyes on who the real culprit is behind all this. I sit and listen to this BS about, well, the World Economic Forum, well, it's George Soros, well, it's somebody else. There's a deep dark behind the faces that are in the front. There always is. You have a group of card-carrying Marxists in Washington, D.C., which are already starting to get supplanted by not just folks in, in New York City in the financial sector, but they're they're being supplanted by people outside of Washington, D.C. Then you have the cartels, who are another front for the Chinese government, that are doing their bidding on the fentanyl, fentanyl side, corrupting the governments of Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, and California, which they've done an ex ex you know, exceptional job in California. And then you have communist governments in Oregon and in Washington State, where the AG, Bob Ferguson, is legislating a ministry of truth from the AG's office. And it's completely unchecked. And it's because the state's been completely overrun by communists for years. And you're going to see a, a division of the United States again, just like we saw in, in the Civil War. It's deconstruction of not just our economy, but it's deconstruction of our federal government all the way down to the state level. They would love, love to deconstruct the state governments and put us in complete chaos and do it slowly over time, which is what they've been doing. But the unfortunate thing is all that's going to come to a culmination point this year. Because you simply cannot put a country on a road to destruction 
and have it stay at the same pace. Over time, it accelerates. And we're seeing that acceleration right now. We're seeing the decline of our, not just our military, they're moving so much equipment off, offshore. We'll never replace that equipment because we don't make anything here. They've they've done their, like Obama did when he was in office. He just level best through executive order to destroy any production in this country, bar none. The Clintons started in 92 after the Bushes signing deals with foreign governments to offshore a lot of our development work and a lot of our production work because it was cheaper, quote unquote. It was really designed to destroy the small town America. That's what it was designed to do. If you go to small towns in any of the South or even in the Midwest, you're going to see there was some kind of an industry there that was moved out. And it was moved out in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s for no other reason than cheaper labor, which was an excuse. It was an excuse to destroy our production capability and take away our ability to sustain ourselves. Even though the U.S. has more natural resources than any other country on this planet, it was it was a plan that was put in place years ago. And that said, that plan is fully enacted right now. But here's where it's going to fail. It's already failed for a lot of reasons. Number one, what do you replace that with? You can divide the states and we go back to 50 independent states. That's not going to go very well because you have states like Washington and Oregon, where a preponderance of the people in the state outside of the urban areas of Portland and Seattle are very conservative. And they're not going to put up with a bunch of bureaucrats in Washington, in, in Olympia or in, in Salem, pushing down dictates that not just destroy their way of life, but take away all their rights. It's a powder keg waiting for a, a, some kind of a spark. And that spark is not far away, whether that's a disclosure, whether that's a financial issue, whether that's you know some kind of a, a, a public demonstration of power, whatever the case may be, it's coming. And when it does, these, the, those people that are sitting in positions of power are going to be shocked at how li very little power they really have in the first place. Because the threats only go so far. When people are starving, you get exactly what we got in Sri Lanka. They storm the positions of power and hang anybody in those positions of power, which is why the community side of the house is going to be so important when all this kicks off. It's part of the reason why I've been talking about this for months and months and months. Every conflict in our history has always got down to the community level, and it's always taken a community to survive those kinds of major political, geopolitical conflicts or natural disasters, always down to the smallest common denominator. It's always down to the, the community. Every single time. When you distill out all the noise at the national level, it's just noise. Those people are fucking builders. They don't build anything. The only thing they do is push more bullshit. It's an unrestricted flow of bullshit now. And you're seeing the mass exodus away from the corporate bullshit because people don't trust the mainstream news anymore. CNN, MSDNC, they're both communist propaganda outlets in total. There's no other word for them. And the fact that they sit on Bill Maher's show with Russell Brand, who's yet another controlled asset, to talk about how it's in their best interest, that, that is the, the last gasp of a system that's used the same book of tricks for over 200 years. And they're out a new trick. They're a one-trick they're one pony. They don't have any new tricks. 
to push on the public to get people to sign up to give up the cultural narrative again. When we took back the cultural narrative in 2021, that was the end of the regime. It's just now a slow death march to the end, and it will slowly accelerate until it's it's a freight train that runs off the tracks. And there's a variety of things that could drive it off the tracks, right? could be logistics. It could be socioeconomic. It could be just collapse from its own corruption, a variety of things. You can only manipulate a system so long before it finally collapses. And we'll, we should see Europe go first, but we'll see. Uh, stranger things have happened. But the Europeans have had their finger on the button here for more than 100 years. And now it's time for us to throw them out of our system to get the the old European monarchs, the old European money, the old European Eurofag leaders out of our business, out of our country, out of our business, and more importantly, out of world politics. The colonialism side of the house. And there's been there's been tons and tons of conversations about how America needs to get better at colonialism. No, we don't. What we need to get better at is building our own house first and getting our own house in order before we go somewhere else and start spending our money on other people who don't want to bring themselves up. The whole idea of the the, the economic opportunity zones is a good idea in theory. But the problem is you're you're dealing with hundreds of years of culture that can't be supplanted overnight. Look at the Arab culture, right? You don't do business over there with anybody without paying people along the way. There's always a middleman. We haven't operated that way until the last few years for a variety of reasons. One, it's not our doctrine. And number two, the, it's, it's part of the... Um, it's part of the Judeo-Christian work work ethic that precludes us from doing that, right? But in other parts of the world, it's a normal part of business. And it's, it is literally day-to-day life. In order to change that culture, in order to shift that paradigm, it's going to take generations to do that. So part of the reason why the the economic opportunity zones didn't take hold and didn't move anywhere is because it cut out the middlemen. And as long as there's, you know, culture that supports that, you're never going to do away with it completely. So you have to try and change it over time. And where I'm going with this is that most of what you're seeing right now is to change our paradigms and to change our belief systems so that we do accept all of these things. And we accept, you know, pedophilia, cannibalism, all the extreme things, right? But there's other things that are more subtle that they want you to accept and that they want us to accept, which aren't going to take hold here. You're talking about 10 generations of Americans who believe in our constitution and you're not going to, you're not going to breed that out overnight. And even though you have a generation of, of let's just say it's not really millennials, but you have a couple of generations that have been indoctrinated into this. It doesn't mean they're going to buy into it wholesale. When I went through college, like most, most college kids, right? I I went through and listened to professors. I, I did the schoolwork. I hated my undergrad because I thought most of the professors were morons and didn't understand anything about business. But at the same time, they did impart a certain amount of liberalism at that time, even in a conservative school, without even realizing that they they had you know they had indoctrinated 
part of the student body into. It's just a factor of education, right? It's predominantly liberal and just by its very existence. And it takes a few years. Once I left college, it took a few years to deprogram from that and get back to my normal belief system and see things from a different lens. So it's easy to see how kids coming out of college, right out of college, would believe all that nonsense. It's it's very easy to indoctrinate the young, right? Because everything's black and white. It's when you get into your 30s and 40s, you start seeing the gray areas and in certain uh, parts of your belief system where you realize, yeah, that's, that's not necessarily a hard and fast rule that this is one way or the other. And the other thing you realize is that <clears throat> your education was only there to teach you how to critically think. Now it's it's there to teach you how to be, to get along, to go along, and to operate in groupthink. Groupthink's always been dangerous. That's why the mob has never been able to take hold here. It's because our, our forefathers who wrote the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the the amendments to the Constitution, they they realized that the mob rule was anything but rational. And because it's not rational, they built in safeguards so that the mob rule wouldn't take hold here. And that's one of the things that's protected us for all these different years is the fact that there's so many checks and balances. We need to put those kinds of checks and balances into whatever comes out of this. And when we rebuild the country, we need to rebuild it from a standpoint that the mob never rules because the mob is always dictated, operated, and maneuvered by emotion. Our forefathers knew enough to know that you can't rule by emotion. You have to be ruthless when you rule for a variety of reasons because you're making decisions for an entire country. You're not making decisions for your family. You have to make decisions where you sacrifice certain things or certain people for a specific end that's good for the overall country versus good for individuals. And it's part of the reason why people don't understand why Putin is the way he is, why Saddam Hussein was the way he was, why Roosevelt was the way he was, because they're making decisions at the national level. And case in point, when Roosevelt sent the, the Doolittle Raiders to fly and drop bombs on China. It was a one-way mission. Every man in that unit knew it. Every man in that unit knew that once they took off from that carrier, all bets were off. And the Japanese would probably execute them if they were captured. You only make those kind of decisions as a world leader when you know it's for the greater good. And Roosevelt knew that a number of men sacrificed to change not just public opinion, but to change the Japanese view of the world was way more strategically important than a couple of dozen lives. And while that sounds callous, that's the level the world leaders deal with. They deal with public opinion. They deal with decisions of state that affect the entire state, not just certain parts of it. And throughout history, the, the conversation of colonialism keeps coming back up over and over because you have to be quote unquote ruthless when it comes to colonialism. And if you look at what the Chinese have been doing for the past 20 years, 30 years, they have been running around the planet, especially in the last 20 years, running around the planet, buying up all of the resource rights across the planet. They've been buying real estate here in the U S at a breakneck pace. And they've been buying 
real estate right next to all of our military installations, all of our key strategic classified locations. And most of it, they've gotten all this information from breaking into our networks. And now they're leveraging that information. In fact, they've gotten so much information, they can't action all the information they've taken out of our networks over time. You didn't, you haven't heard about any of that because you've been wrapped up with all of the, um, all of the press and drama around the things they want you to pay attention to and not the fact that the U.S. government's been completely owned by the Chinese for the past 10 years. And they're smash and grab. They they break the door down, take what they want, and then they leave. And it's done very expeditiously. So why all this is important is that we have to shake off this notion that we're going to go back to the way things were, go back to this, this being fast asleep. We have to change not only our culture, but we have to change the way we view our culture. And we have to be very protective of our culture. And we can't just assume that just because we're bringing new people in, they're going to assimilate. We have to force people to assimilate to our culture like we did in the 50s and 60s. One of the things that Americans used to say is, you speak the language the money's printed in. You speak our language. We don't speak yours. If you come here and live here, you speak our language. You learn our customs. We did that for a reason. It's because we were protective of our culture. And then right around, I'm going to say the early nineties is when this whole political correctness nonsense started. And then it became racist to say that it became racist to say that, you know, people of any other ethnicity, ethnicity had to speak English. Now you have, you know, multiple languages all in one neighborhood and people that don't, that have immigrated here from other countries that don't speak any English at all and don't have to because the entire system is catering to them. We did that for a reason in 1945. We, we, we started after World War II. Driving English is the common language across the planet because we, needed, we knew that we needed a standardized language, not just for air travel or sea travel. We needed a standardized language so that every country would operate the same. That's why Europe started teaching English as a second language in every school. That's why most Europeans speak English as well as their native language. It's for the very simple reason that the U.S. and English was the was going to be the default language that everybody operated on, and then, and it was a common language across the planet. That's since changed since political correctness came around. And if we're going to move forward as a country, as a planet, we have to have a standardized language. You can keep your heritage and keep your language that you're operating, but there has to be a standard language that everybody speaks. So you're all speaking the same language. You're and and you know that speaking the same language, it, it may seem like a nuance or a cliche, but it's really not. The whole point of the exercise was that we realized after World War II, culturally and when it comes to language, there's certain words in the English language that aren't in any other language on the planet. Like there's words, there's words in the English language that don't show up in anywhere in it. And they're just words that don't exist in the, in the Arabic dialect. There's words that don't exist in, um, in Thai or Vietnamese that are strictly English, English language. And if we really want to speak the same language, if we really want to have common understanding 
of all these different cultures. We have to speak the same language. And it doesn't matter if it's English or Spanish, whatever. English is a derivative of Spanish anyway. It doesn't matter what the language is, but we all have to speak a common language. That common language doesn't just mean that we're speaking the same language, that we're with the, the basic understandings there. It means culturally, we're all on the same page when we're talking about things. And you can still have your heritage. You can still have your your cultural norms. You can still have your your um, ritualistic things that you do with your family, with your with your culture. But it means that the overarching language the entire planet speaks brings everybody together. And unity is the most important thing that needs to come out of all of this. The reason why these elements have been able to be so successful and so divisive across so many parts of the planet is for the very simple reason that culturally and when it comes to idioms and neology, we all speak different languages. It's easy to, to divide cultures. And speaking of Q for a second, the thing that Q did that was an unintended consequence is the concept of where we go one, we go all. The whole point of that, which I think I, I think was just a, a saying from, I think it was the movie White Squalls where it came from. The whole point of saying that was just to create some kind of unifying message. In, in any kind of a psychological operation or any kind of an information operation, especially influencing operations, you want to have something, a key phrase that people can rally behind. You know, it's like the one team, one fight thing, right? That came out of the army. The army used to, the army used to say, train like you fight and you're, you're one team conducting one fight. It was, it was the mantra for the army for years. And it was, I thought it was highly effective because it reminded everybody we're all on the same team and we're all fighting the same fight. And when you distill out all the noise, it, everybody came back to the same place. And it's the same thing with neology. If we're all speaking the same language and we all get to the same place and we all have the same understanding of that language, then guess what? There's nothing lost in translation. There's nothing that's lost by um, not having those words in the dictionary. Everybody knows the, the meaning and the context of the words, so therefore everybody's on the same page. And it makes it very, very hard for these nefarious actors, like, you know, specifically the Chinese Communist Party, to divide you into buckets and pitch you against each other, which is exactly what Marxists do. It's right, this literally right out of Marxist doctrine. Having a common language literally dispels all of that. Now, is there still going to be people that are influenced by deep fakes and everything else? Absolutely. Right now in our history is the most dangerous time for deep fakes and for AI-driven pictures, video, voice, everything. Because you have, you have a very, very highly sophisticated technology that's being used to spoof people and to discredit people real time. And it takes longer for you to, de to debunk it than it does for the AI to publish it, which is what you're seeing on a lot of these social media platforms. They've literally used AI to infiltrate every single channel and plug in certain narratives that are true or not true. Look at the China Wuhan lab. Look at how much time people are spending on that. This originated in China. That's very true. The, the, the outbreak quote unquote originated there, but the virus was shipped over from Fort Detrick. 
a Harvard professor took it over. But do you hear any of that? No, they want to tie everything to China. And look, the problem with the whole narrative, the problem with all of it is it's been laced with so much disinformation and so much AI driven conversations that you have five or six different schools of thought around just one concept. And nobody really knows what the ground truth is, except for the federal government, the people that perpetrated all this. And it's by design. It's to keep you completely confused. If we were all speaking the same language, if we were all on the same page, this shit wouldn't happen. Because people in Ecuador would be looking at this from the English perspective saying, that's all bullshit. And same thing with Germany. And you're seeing that in the English-speaking countries. You're seeing people rise up against this COVID tyranny because they realize they've been duped. And you're seeing the real truth come out around the vaccine damage and the things that vaccines have done. Even though these pharmaceutical companies are still marching down the road to do mRNA vaccines and they think they're going to control the world. Like, why there's not a kill a kill order on Bill Gates, I, I fucking never know. That guy should have been whacked probably five years ago. That he should have been taken out in a very public forum. Car blown up, plane shot down. Take your pick. That guy has committed crimes against humanity, and he needs to be held to account. And I've been reading about this warrant for his arrest in the Philippines. Okay, I'll believe it when I see it. But that should be the norm, not the exception. And because it's the, it's the, it's the exception versus the norm, that's why we are where we are. That's why unity at the community level is so important. Because when you get down to the community level, everybody you know around you, these are real people saying real things. And the community knows what the community knows. And, I, and I've said this before. I saw the value of that in Iraq, where I was talk, talking to a sheikh. And I said, how do you know who's supposed to be here and who's not? And he said, first of all, at the tribal level, we know everybody in the tribe and they know everybody in the tribe and they know each other. And we know who's supposed to be in a tribe and who's not. Outside of that, we know everybody that's in our community, in our neighborhood, everyone. We know who's supposed to be there, who's not supposed to be there, who's new, who's causing trouble, who's a consummate. Co we, we know every aspect of our neighborhoods right down to when people move in and out of our neighborhoods. And it's something that we have worked on for years because when Saddam was in power, you'd see a taxi come in with a bunch of men in it and you would know somebody was getting taken out and probably taken somewhere, tortured and killed. So we had a very, very specific neighborhood watch set up for that activity. And it's carried over now to where you Americans think you can show up unannounced. We, we know you're, when you're miles away, we know where you're going. We know, we know what neighborhood you're headed to. And everybody's on alert. That's why it's so easy for us to ambush you. Because one, you announce everything you're doing. Number two, you're not subtle about anything. And number three, and this is the most important, you communicate everything to everyone. We don't communicate anything outside of our neighborhood unless we need to. Okay, that's sage advice. Especially when you look at the bigger picture of we're in a place now where we're importing entire neighborhoods, entire cultures into our small neighborhoods and our urban areas for no other reason than to change the demographics and to change the voting patterns. That's not going to work either. And the unfortunate part of why it's not going to work is that as the social order breaks down, 
You're going to see people rally into their specific ethnic groups, and then they're going to rally with what they have and the resources they have to protect their groups, their people. And at some point, all that's going to break down too. And then you'll start to see communities come together. That's typically how it's worked throughout history. The unfortunate part is a lot of people are going to suffer between now and then. Not, there's not a hell of a lot you can do about it. But the key point here is unity at the at the community level is the one piece that's going to keep this country in, in a semblance of being intact once all the chaos is done. Because the urban areas, let's just face it, the, the urban areas, most of our infrastructure is crumbling. And you drive around Arizona, our roads suck. And they work on the roads for weeks and weeks and weeks on end, and within a year, the roads are terrible again. And same thing with Montana, with North Dakota. Any climate where you have hot and cold, especially extreme hot and cold, you have issues with roads and infrastructure. It's just, it's a nature of the beast. And we used to dedicate a lot of resources to make sure all that infrastructure was maintained. Now, for the last 20 years, we've basically ignored it. And we're seeing the downstream effects of that. That's why when all things break down, what's around you is what's going to sustain you. That's why it's important right now. The things you should be doing right now, you should be planning for a garden. So we're getting, we're getting into spring. You should be planning for a garden. If you can have chickens, go get some chickens right now. Chickens lay for about four years, so you'll get four years out of it. You're into 2027, 2028 if you're lucky. And within four years, you can have other chickens that aren't infected with mRNA vaccines, haven't been destroyed over quote-unquote the PCR test, and more importantly, you can you have a source of protein that is in your diet that, guess what, is completely outside of the store system. And you can use it as a tool for bartering. So you should have a garden. You should have livestock if you can do it. And if you don't, you can support those that do. And that's the whole point of it is to help people, especially people with livestock farms, work together to share those resources and to support them because feed's expensive. It's going to get more expensive and it's going to get more scarce. So you're going to have to be creative about keeping livestock alive as well as pets and refocusing your efforts away from watching TV to doing something that's in your local neighborhood that brings you together with other people and makes human connections. That is going to be the most important thing you do. The time for sitting in front of your TV and watching the daily news, over. It was over a year ago. But now we're getting to critical mass where you have to start thinking ahead and thinking about what am I going to do for the wintertime? Like when it's fruit season, you should be canning fools. You should be, you know, picking as much, you know, fruit as possible and canning as much fruit as possible. Same thing with poultry and meat, et cetera. Can as much as you can because it lasts up to two years and that will give you sustainment for the winter time because the food system is going to collapse. All these train derailments, it's going to affect the logistical transport of goods and services. And at some point when they run us out of fuel, it's going to be just where you're within walking distance. And you got to plan for all of that. Whether it happens or not is not the point. The point is you're planning right now for that. And you're thinking, okay, what kind of seeds do I need? Do I need heirloom seeds? Do I need, you know, uh, GMO seeds? What kind of seeds do I need for my environment? And I know what everybody says about GMO. 
It is what it is. They've tainted the food supply, and now they're tainting the water system. So you should be storing water, too. I mean, there's a variety of things you can do right now that don't involve technology that you should be doing right now, especially considering the fact that everything you're doing right now is going to sustain you when things are really, really bad. And we're not far away from that. But the community is where it all starts. The community is where your source of strength is going to come from. The community is where every single one of your force multipliers is going to start. It's not going to start at the national level. It's not going to start at the state level. Look at Arizona. Everything here is corrupted. And the fact that from what I hear from the state capitol, Ben Toma, the Speaker of the House, is trying to push Liz Harris out. But he can't do it publicly because then it, it's an admission of guilt. So he's trying to do it subversively. And from what I also understand, the lobbyists rule the roost, which is exactly what he did last summer after August 2nd when all these different freshmen won their primaries. He brought them in and put in front of uh, you know, put them in front of um, lobbyists and said, listen to them and not your constituents. He hasn't changed anything. He's just gone underground with it. So do you honestly think that you're going to get any help from the state level? You're not. Those people are just as corrupt as the federal level, and they're all trying to enrich themselves. So everything's going to start in your neighborhood. Everything. Food, water, sustainment, it's all going to start there. And you're going to have to outthink, outplay, and outmaneuver the state actors and all these people that are coming in. Because you're going to have IRS, you're going to have FBI, you're going to have all of them. The only way you're going to fight them off is as a community. And enough communities fight back, guess what? There won't be enough of them around to continue the fight. That's how this is going to go. We've exhausted all peaceful forms of resolution and readdress. There is no more peaceful forms of readdress. Courts are corrupted. Law enforcement is corrupted. The state apparatus is corrupted. The city apparatus is, cor is corrupted. The county apparatus is corrupted. Look at the Board of Supervisors. The laundering money. So if Thaler's accusations are even 1% true, it means that all of the apparatus in, in, in charge of the elections is laundering money through real estate. And I happen to believe that that's probably true because the easiest form of manipulation, especially at the county government, is through the county clerk's office. The county apparatus and the city apparatus usually has the worst IT records and the worst IT support. It would be easy to put somebody on the inside, pay him a bunch of money on the outside, launder a bunch of money through it, and no one would be the wiser. Because they're paid, you know, probably a third of what most tech is paid, so it draws the, the least talented people. And I'm sure there's good people in the system. But if you look at a high-tech company that's paying stock bonus, 30 days of vacation, a high salary, versus the state where you're making a third of that with just benefits and no stock and no, no bonus, yeah. You're not going to draw the same crowd. So it would be very easy to manipulate that system in order to push through all of these transactions in a covert way. And it would take years of forensic accounting to identify it anyway. That's why I believe it's probably accurate. It's just the 93-page brief that he filed with the court system is laced with other things that don't make any sense. And Bean, Tracy Beans does a very good job of calling that out. I, If you don't want to read the 93 pages, go read what Beans has to say. But Ben Toma's actions, 
show me the guy's not only compromised, but he's been compromised. So community, neighborhood is the only way out of this. That's where it starts. That's where unity starts. That's where collaboration starts. That's where human connections start. That's where we have to start. We have to get back to that and then move forward from there. So this week will probably be pretty quiet. Next week will probably, it's going to be even more. Next week will be, I'm thinking it's going to be over the next couple of weeks, it's going to get busier and busier. This week so far, it's been pretty quiet. This is a little before the storm. So use this time right now to start making human connections and get involved with your community. Today, I'm going to end with uh, Never Enough by LA Guns. I think it's a pretty fitting for the day. But remember, unity is the hill we die on. God bless. One team, one fight. Uh-huh.